Hey, everybody, this is Brett. And I'm Christian. And you're listening to the Gilded Films Podcast. Year in Review, 1930. Hello. Everybody, welcome back to our little podcast here, Guild of Films podcast. That is, if you have been sticking around with us, you probably just listened to us talk about the uh, third Academy Awards, which were uh, celebrating some of the films of 1929/1930, and we're all quiet on the Western Front was the big winner of the night. Please take a listen if you haven't; it's uh, really good. We get into it a lot, especially with a little movie called Israeli, which hopefully we will not talk about tonight when we do personal stuff because that was shit. Anyway, we're back with our favorite personal stuff and like highlights of the years that was. Uh, as always, it's me, Christian. What's up? And Brett, what's up? Hello, hello. And that's it. That's all the hosts we have. <laughs> the other one canceled. So. <laughs> Oh, oh, what are you doing here? It's the one, the only, the Zay. <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> Whatever are you doing here? I thought you had to cancel on us. Well, you see, sometimes dead is better. I don't know. I didn't know where I was going with that. <laughs> and here, friends, we have no master of improv. <laughs> before all of this though we were discussing the highly hot film of halloween kills and it was great and you should listen to that podcast and you have to be like freddy krueger and go into our minds to find it because we didn't film it or anything (laughs) now we're here to talk about these movies brett do you have anything to say before we start no except that we we should do like find a, a truly like controversial new release at some point and actually like record a conversation about it because that was pretty good so Indeed. but this will be too so looking forward to it all right well i mean i think we'll discuss it when halloween kills gets um best picture nomination lord absolutely <laughs> absolutely frontrunner status well, I guess I'm segueing into this one because as Brett pointed out before we even started, um, it's going to go me, me, Zay, Zay, Brett, Brett tonight because the alphabet's an amazing thing. <laughs> and I don't know, I guess we were feeling all alphabetical and shit when we picked these movies. Not so, at all planned. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So six movies and then our favorites and some wins and honorable dishonorable mentions. So I had the first one. And it is called Anna Christie, directed by Clarence Brown and starring Greta Garbo. It is actually her first uh, talking picture, and it was broadcast as Garbo Speaks, you know, I want to be alone. And it is based on a play by Eugene O'Neill, written by Francis Marion, who we talked about when we talked about The Big House in the last episode. But it is about, let me get some names here. It is about Anna Christy, Anna Christofferson, and she is coming back to New York to meet with her father, played by George F. Marion. They have not seen each other for like, what, 15 years or so? 
Um, so there's not really a good relationship there at all. And when she comes back to visit, she has a secret because, you know, it's scandalous. This is pre-code era. And what is that secret? Well, I won't tell you, but she has to do with some prostitution. So I told you, whatever. The movie's almost 100 years old. But along the way, she also meets with um, a sailor called Matt, played by Charles Bickford, and uh, starts, you know, romantic connections there, as one does. Also, Marie Dressler is in this. And she is a fun character, as well as I would say, um, George F. Marion's character, whose name is Chris Christopherson. <laughs> and I honestly thought his name was Chris Christie in this before I saw last name. <laughs> so, you know, that's fun. But it is a lot of talking in this movie. It is pretty much adapted from the play, I'm assuming, other than the play is more than likely four hours. But yeah i somewhat liked it i really like greta garbo in this i don't think you can really go wrong with her especially her first scene which is long and it takes place in a bar with marie dressler it's it's nice she's a good actress i read that her swedish accent was so like away from this that she had a then perfect it again because uh anna christie is she has she's supposed to have the swedish accent in this because that's where she was born and raised and stuff. But yeah, um, I don't know. It was fine. I read both of your reviews, actually, and I can kind of agree. I don't know who wrote this, but one of you did, that the relationship she has with Matt is kind of meh. Like, you don't really feel the passion in there a whole lot. And I don't know. I just really wanted to focus on her. But it is what it is. And it's Greta Garbo, and she's really good. So let's say y'all. Greta Garbo? as I have mentioned many times, makes me gayer every day. The power of Greta Garbo. But no matter how, and she's fantastic in this movie. Uh, Listen, I'll watch any movie where she's just talk, 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 talking all fucking day. Love it. Love to hear her talk. Love to hear her act. Love to see her act. But, oh my God, I was like watching this movie. I was like, okay. Here's a scene where two people are talking at a table. Oh, look, we're at another scene, but it's a different table. And I'm just like, all right. I, and yeah, I definitely like immediately was like, oh, this is based on a play. Yes. And I'm like, yep, it's based on a play. And it's definitely, it's just not cinematic whatsoever. Um, honestly, it kind of bored me. And just... I, I did mention like that relationship was just not working for me. It's just, uh, no. Yeah. It just, I think it also follows within the trend of, it was Garbo's first speaking role. And it just, it shows for the time that, I mean, she's great. She's a great actress. She's transitioned wonderfully, but the film, not so much because it is just everyone talking. And I feel like it's not quite as bad as Disraeli, but it feels in the same camp as Disraeli of like, in terms of form, not exactly quality, if that makes sense. Um, (laughs) I just want side by side of just seeing everyone just talk at tables at the same time and you'll just you I wouldn't know which and just put the audio for Disraeli over Anna Christie and I don't think you know the difference 
the table of course the tables of course being played by the very versatile <laughs> Hudson. <laughs> oh, is that what they did with the dolls when they couldn't sell them? Yes. <laughs> yeah, to me, this is an example of a movie that I thought started pretty maybe not great, but really good. Because I really did like that long intro, especially the conversation between Garbo and Dressler in the bar. Yeah, and I, yeah. I I thought that was really strong. I, I just thought, you know, it was it was well written. Uh, this is another one that Francis Marion wrote. So got that going. Um, and the performances between both Dressler and Garbo in that scene just really I, I ate it up. Uh, I just liked seeing their back and forth and thought it was really good. And then after that, I, I didn't think it was bad. Um, the the part you know the, the parts of her kind of rekindling her father even like they weren't terribly interesting but i understood what they were going for when charles bickford go comes in that's what makes this an extremely average if not below average movie for me just because you know one i just wasn't feeling his performance and two i just wasn't feeling his role in the film whatsoever um like you both mentioned that romance there's just nothing there there is absolutely nothing there for us to know like why these people would want to be together and what they see in each other or anything like that. And it's just kind of lifeless, um, that whole relationship. And so when it comes to a head and we have this big conversation, you know, between those two and her father and what happened in her past, the scene already was pretty rough um, just with the way, it, you know, it's written and, and the way that the characters react but that that was our buildup to it was the relationship with her and Charles Bickford, which was just not there. It just made it even worse. Um, but I do agree. Garbo is excellent. Um, I, I, I just, you know, I, I imagine just watching this at the time and like knowing her as from her silent roles and seeing her speak on camera for the first time, I imagine how exciting that would have been. Um, and it's even exciting still today, even though we've seen her in, in speaking roles before and we talked about her in Ninochka and, um, this is definitely a far cry from Nanochka, but um, I do really enjoy her here. I do think that there's one scene in particular. I, it's not bad or anything, but I do think there was a bit of a a lag in that transition from silent to sound. Cause like it's in like her postman scene, like her and the other characters, they do this thing where they're like just going back and forth with facial expressions and like touching themselves and like, oh. Oh, oh, and it feels like they're emoting in ways as that they needed to because it was still silent, like to 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 get across their points. And I was like, that's a little old fashioned. Uh, the rest of the performance is much better. But overall, I do think she is excellent um, and, you know, very deserving of the nomination she got. Um, would have had her win, honestly, over Norma Shearer, um, even though I did like Shearer in, in that movie. But um, she's great here. For the, you know, for the most part. And it's just the film. I don't dislike it. Um, it's very down the middle for me. A lot of it is just really forgettable. Could you imagine if Greta Garbo had like a high-pitched voice instead of that deep voice that she had? In her first talking <laughs> film, everybody's like, ooh, what's gonna, what's she gonna sound like? And then she's like, give me a whiskey. Do me <laughs> one. Don't be stingy, baby. <laughs> like a singing in the rain type of deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Her voice is so, it's obviously so unique and uh, it's, I mean, it's great. Like Zay said, but yeah. Um, also, I think Brett, you talked about this too in your letterbox review about like the cinematography of this, the, like the hazy effect. Mm -hmm. 
And I was wondering, because I saw it after I after I watched it, but at first I was like, is this just the DVD quality of it? And it's like, eh, I guess it's not. But it gives that brooding, like, who is she? And what? Wh- why is she, you know, why hasn't she seen her father for so long? What secrets does she hold? Because she clearly holds some sort of, you know, past. But... Yeah. And I think the role of them, like, spending so much time on the sea and on the water is another, you know, kind of reflection of that kind of foggy and, you know, brooding cinematography. And I, it's just like, like Zay said, the staging is so basic and it doesn't really do anything with it that it kind of drags the cinematography down some ways with it. Whereas otherwise, I think this could have been a really well shot film if it was just staged better. Right. But you can definitely tell too, that the staging is like a thing of this time period too. Yeah. Where it's like, we don't know how to adapt this unless it is a play. Also, in watching this, um, like the last major-ish Broadway revival of this play was with Natasha Richardson and Liam Neeson. So every time like Charles Bickford would talk, I just thought of Liam Neeson. (laughs) I don't know. Fascinating. Uh, Also, you said Natasha Richardson and my mind immediately went to Natasha Leone. Now that's something (laughs) I would watch. (laughs) Anna Christie, what a concept. (laughs) That would be something oh, did else. Oh, you, did you watch this in English? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Because my DVD copy had the German version. And I was like, oh, I should watch that. But at the same time, I just want to get it done with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But yes, there's a German version that exists. Because during this time, Hollywood was making both English and foreign market films. You know, so they could cater to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think our next film did that as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or at least they, they tried to at least so yeah christian was like hey german movies why not <laughs> german movies what a concept no? well, I, All right. I literally did a cigarette thing i held the cigarette <laughs> oh they can't, see, they can't see that out there for the crowd <laughs> this was I, I will say um Spoiler alert, most of the movies we picked to watch were not nominated for any Oscars. Um, and that part of that is just because they didn't have very many categories. You know, not many things or, or people were nominated. So, but this one did pretty well. Christian, do you want to go over what this was nominated for? Yes. Clar- Clarence Brown was nominated for director. Greta Garbo was nominated for actress. I'm pretty sure she had another movie at this time nominated. Let me see. Yeah, it's... um. Uh, romance. Yes, another Clarence Brown movie. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, because at this time you could get double nominated for things, and, and then also the cinematography was a nomination. So three overall. Pretty good for 1930. So very nice. Well, any further thoughts on Anna Christie before you take away our next film? All right. Well, Christian, you are up again. Oh, Lord. Okay, so the more I think about this movie, the more it becomes very forgettable. So I got to pull up like a plot synopsis here. Um, But it is called Der, let's see, Der Blaue Engel, also known as the Blue Angel in German. And it is directed by, I don't know, let's see, Lenny Riefensch? No, uh, Joseph von Sternberg. Okay, and it stars Emil Jannings, whom I'm pretty sure we might have mentioned when we did the Wings podcast, but he's the first uh, Best Actor winner. And he plays Professor Emmanuel Roth. 
and the lovely Marlena Dietrich, who plays Lola Lola. And the brief synopsis of this is an elderly professor's ordered life spins dangerously out of control when he falls for a nightclub singer. Ooh. And it's set in Weimar, Germany. So very, you know, gay 20s and 30s at this time. Lola Lola is very sexy. Marlene Dietrich is just amazing. And this is in German. Um, again, this movie is forgettable because I forgot most of the details about it, except for think of this as like a midlife crisis type movie because of uh, the professor does go through one of those. He's very prim, proper, you know, pin up his ass guy. And then he sees this woman and he sees her legs and he's like, holy shit, I need me a piece of that. And he gets him a piece of that and they fall, you know, quote unquote in love, whatever. That's the movie. I don't have anything else to say except I really wanted to like this because I do like Joseph von Sternberg and I like what I've seen of his, but this just did not do it for me. And I'm kind of sad too, because I have not seen many Marlena Dietrich movies. I've not seen any in her native language of German. Uh, so again, very disappointing to me, but I don't know if either of you liked it. Maybe you did. Um. I watched the other uh, Dietrich and Sternberg films, uh, specifically the ones on the Criterion uh, disc that came out, I don't know how long ago. Um, and I liked a lot of those. Even loved a few of them. Scarlet uh, Empress. Scarlet Empress is so good. Um, but this one was kind of mid-tier for me. Like, there were parts of it I liked, other parts I'm like, eh, and I'm like, how much of this is me with a modern sensibility? Where I'm just like, this man can just go, just, just shut up, let your wife be sexy, let her do her job, this is her job, um, and just get over it. And I'm just like, eh, whatever. So I don't, the central issue with him, I just don't care and mo I'm mostly because I don't like him as a character either, and which can be fine, but I'm pretty sure he, the journey, the character journey is to make him at least more likable in terms of the relationship with Marlena Dietrich. I'm just like, eh. however, Marlena, perfect. She's doing great. She's being sexy for the camera. If you needed a sex goddess in 1930, perfect, perfect choice. Um, but yeah, I'm in the same boat where the story itself did not really stick with me. So I like the movie, but it would not, it would never be a strong recommend to anyone who asked about it. And I would definitely point them to uh, the Scarlet Empress or another one. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed by this one. Um, cause, I mean, for the same reason, kind of you mentioned Christian. Like, well, no, I like I I'm, I'm glad you picked it because um, it's probably when I, I would have tried to watch. But, um, but like we we've talked about Emil Jannings and um, how great he was, and I forget the name, the movie he won Best Actor for, The Last Command. Last Command, yeah, yeah, he's great in that movie. Um, and obviously Marlena Dietrich, Marlena Dietrich and. You know, Joseph von Sternberg, I think I've only seen one other movies, one other movie of his. It's not one he did with Dietrich. It's The Docks of New York, which I recall liking. Um, but he's one I've been fascinated to just check out at some point because I know he was, you know, kind of influential. And I think, you know, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, Zay, I just it, it was hard for me to get invested in this guy's story. Um, 
I think, you know, part of it is that I, I think as great as Dietrich is, and like, she's definitely building up that persona and that iconic status she would have. I think she could have given, been given more to do. Um, you know, cause I, I, th- I think she was the most fast, fascinating part of the movie and, you know, Janning's character, I would have liked to see it more to see his changes and what he goes through. If he was a good teacher, cause he's a shitty teacher. Like he's awful. Uh, the kids hate him for good reason, you know, and he's just, he's, he's awful. And like where maybe that wouldn't matter as much, but the final scene, and this movie's been out 91 years. I'm going to reveal the final scene. So, you know, if you want to, you know, spoiler alert, we'll turn off for five seconds, whatever. But he like goes back to his, you know, his teaching standard or whatever at the classroom or his desk and like clings onto it as like something he's lost. And I'm like, that would be more effective if like you seemed like you actually enjoyed that part of your life or that you were good at it. Like if, if he had been like a really good instructor who, you know, got involved in and like made the wrong choices after he married this woman and whatnot, I, I think it would have been a little bit more interesting just to, to be a little bit more invested. Um, but it doesn't come off the way it comes off as more of like a kind of slap on the wrist morality tale than anything else at times. Um, like don't get involved with these type of people and, and things like that. And so it didn't really work for me. I don't think it's, you know, a terrible film by any means. I think um, for the time it is pretty well shot. And I think the production design is pretty good. I think the, the locales that they use are kind of interesting. Um, but overall that, that central theme and message and the, the tone of the narrative, it just really took me out of it. I wasn't all that interested. So I like this era of Germany too in film because you don't see it too often also. Yeah, true. A lot of, I mean, a lot of German films are what? World War II, World War I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like right after expressionism was the thing. You know, it was kind of like out by this point and this was what was coming in. So that's kind of interesting too. Also, did you both watch it in German? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, I couldn't. Yes, I did. Because yes, I, I wanted to see it in English, but I went German and like reading up on it, I thought it would have just been dubbed over. And I guess it's not because Von, or not Von Sternberg, um, Janning's accent is so thick from what I read. It's like you have a hard time hearing what he's actually saying. Mm. Interesting. Yep, watched it in German. So. Mm-hmm that's all i have to say about this movie again i forgot what it is <laughs> i even watch it <laughs> um i the two movies i was thinking of that i also really liked dishonored and shanghai express both very good oh, i've heard shanghai express is really good so very cool well yeah no oscar noms for that one um we were obviously pretty lukewarm on it so Let's go ahead and move on to our next film. And oh, say- I do want to say, oh, yeah. I do want to say something. If if you're listening, you know, and you're like, well, they are they jumping around years? We're picking films for this that were eligible. Yes, for yes. The third, so it's like there's a lot more in 29 that we could have picked, and a lot more in 30, but we're focused solely on the eligible stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, great point. Which makes yeah. this a little more different than the other episodes that we do. Because you, right. at least with the ones I pick, I don't care. I just like, yeah. Uh, oh, this was released that year, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, a little different, but well, we are going from one 
uh, classic influential director to another. So Zay, do you want to take us away with the next one? I would be delighted as I do not have it pulled up at all. <laughs> now it's up. <laughs> we have the next film, City Girl, directed by F.W. Murnau. Um, and it's about a cute little couple that meets during the Great Depression. And we have Lem, played by Charles Farrell, uh, who is the son of a wheat farmer who is being sent to Chicago so he can sell some bushels of wheat. And that's where he meets a waitress named Kate, played by Mary Duncan. And that's where they basically fall in love. And then like, what? and then he's like, hey, have you ever thought about just leaving the city? Um, and at first she's like, I don't know. And then she just runs after him. And it's really cute. They get married. And then they go back to his father's farm. And they, uh, the mom's there. She's very happy. She's like, oh my God, I just, I'm so glad for you. But then the dad's a real piece of shit. <laughs> and he's like, I can't believe you would marry a, marry a commoner like this. He's like, they're and like accusing her of like, you know, trying to like swindle him out of their like money. Um, and then that's when all like the harvesters come in. And they're a bunch of, oh boy, characters, just real masculine boys um, who's never seen a woman before, I guess. Um, and basically the story, it, it, it's, it's a very simple story and things like clean up in the end. It, it goes about where you think it would, but it's really cute. It's very sweet. It's very... Uh, the scene where they first get to the farm and they're kind of like frolicking in the wheat fields, that one, that's the moment that really got me. I'm like, oh, I really believe in this love right here. Um, and I think this movie had the most effect on me just because it was a silent picture. It didn't have the weird audio transition that so many other films that we watch for this podcast have an issue with um even though the studio did did not want it to be a silent picture and they did release it as a sound picture with different um some different stuff in it but that is lost and all we have is the silent version so that's probably for the best because um Renal did not want it to be a talkie and he left he left the, the film behind when the studio was trying to tamper with it. So I'm sure he's happy to know that people are watching it now as he intended. Um, yeah, I really, really loved this movie. It was just nice. I like a nice, simple love story. Oh, and it had a good cat. I love the, the cat came in. I was like, hell yeah, that's a good cat. I also liked this a lot. And it's one that I remember. Um, but I really like Mary Duncan in this. She is the mm -hmm. titular city girl. Yeah, she's really sweet in this. And like Zay said, it is a very sweet movie. And the, fro the frolicking through the fields um, when they get to the farm kind of reminded me, I don't know, I, I can only think of Days of Heaven in that it's set on somewhat of a similar farm and the colors. Fun fact, it was the primary inspiration for that film. 
Oh, okay. Well, it's on the Wikipedia anyway. I don't know. What, <laughs> yes. It has, has two sources. So when I think of wheat fields, <laughs> I immediately think of Days of Heaven and now City Girl. Um, but yeah, F.W. Murnau, he, he gets you in the fields a lot. And we spoke, of course, with Sunrise. Um, and Nosferatu, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nosferatu. But City Girls, it's, I really much enjoyed it. I like the color of it, too. Um, yeah, the more brownish hue to it. It's not totally black and white. What threw me off the most, though, was that it was silent. I didn't have a problem with it, but I didn't know it was silent. Oh, me either. Whole... It was such a nice surprise. Right, yeah. because I've I've heard of this film before. I've been told by some people to watch it. I've seen it on Letterboxd. And then it starts, the music plays, and it the title cards, and then they're, and then, you know... I, uh, you can see me doing the silent movements, but the people <laughs> out there can't hear. Um, but yeah, and I didn't know. And I was like, oh, okay, this, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll go along with this. And yeah, ended up being very good. In total agreement, this is, this was really, really nice. I mean, I, at first I was a little bit like, I don't know. Cause like it starts in the city and I was like, I was enjoying it, but I was like, yeah, it's fine. It was good. And then they, like you kind of said, Zay, they go to the farm and things start taking place there. And then you see where it's going and it kind of gets a little bit melodramatic. And I'm like, oh, I'm so into this. Um, the, the narrative is like simple, but intriguing and, you know, really engaging. Um, I, I think it's up there with um, All Quiet and having some of the best cinematography of the films we've seen this year. I mean, it is gorgeous um like that once again very simple it's a simple farm in minnesota there's nothing like extreme about it but it just makes it look so elegant um and that you know it's something we kind of expect with murnau he did something similar with sunrise very typical stuff but it's beautiful um and mary duncan is just a total force in the movie like she's mm-hmm. excellent i I was just, I was drawn to her the entire time. Every time, you know, she came on screen, it's like, oh, I, I just, she's great to watch. She's amazing in this movie. Um, the, you know, the kind of performance that I really look for in a silent film, um, you know, that balances like so that we always know every emotion she's feeling without being terribly over the top. Um, so good. Um, David Torrance as the father is like perfectly despicable. Yes. Um, even Edith York, you know, it, it, not in it very much, but like she comes in and she's mm-hmm. kind of the sweet mother figure. And I really liked her as well. The, the ensemble and all mm-hmm. really, really strong. Um, I've noticed since I watched this movie, I like it more and more. So like, I may go on letterbox later and like bump up my rating, honestly, because I just, I like it a lot. It's one it, of all the movies we've watched aside from all quiet. This is the one that I keep thinking about the most um, and going back to, and just really having a, a real appreciation for, and I really wish this would get a criterion. I mean, it's Murnau. It's beautiful. I'd love to see what they do with it. Um, this is one that I would love to be, see be added to the collection at some point. Cause I think that'd be really cool too. Um, you know, if, oh, oh I was, I was going to say, you know, well, this is directed towards you. So if you if you weren't so serious at your introduction of this, you could have made a great St. Olaf type representation with the whole Minnesotian thing. You're right. Um, I do want to say, though, um, there is a very beautiful uh, version of it on YouTube. Yes. Right now. Is that uh, where you, yeah. you watched it? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. on YouTube. 
I I got a I I interlibrary loaned. Oh yeah, yeah. I watched it on YouTube as well. It is. It's it's surprisingly beautiful on YouTube. Yeah, Thank it's a you good for sharing. <laughs> I think it's one of those where they like uh, those like the Blu-ray version that they uploaded. Oh, so good. Um, also, this is a very small detail, and I know it's not intentional because it, it, nothing with that went anywhere. But I was watching it, and I was like, her curls kind of look like six six six. Is this like? Is she gonna seduce him into evil? Father, son, Hasaguchi. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was just what I, I noticed, and I was like, oh, it was probably very coincidental. <laughs> Let's hope uh, so. Some, something that I'm just like th- thinking about is this is the opposite of sunrise, in that in this they go from the hustle and bustle of the big city to the quiet tenderness of you know countryside and then sunrise obviously same thing but reversed mm-hmm. yeah and shenanigans happen in the city and you know yeah it's also and interesting he, this was murnau's like next to last movie because he died a year later um and how did he die i don't know actually i don't um, oh, um, oh, it's me? Okay. Uh, was, he not one, it up. was he not the one to be beheaded while he was like giving a blowjob to somebody on the what? <laughs> was that him? That we, oh my god, let me see. I don't know about him. the movie. I imagine that would not be put on his Wikipedia page or his uh, IMDb page or someone right now. So we might have to go to Wikipedia for that one. A week prior to the opening of his film, Taboo, we're now drove up the Pacific Coast Highway from Los Angeles in a hired Rolls Royce. The young driver, a 14-year-old Filipino servant, crashed the eight, crashed the car against an electric pole. Murnau suffered a head injury and died in the hospital the next day because rumor has it he was, you know, getting it on. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. okay. Everyone and, has- and the skull was the broken into the tomb in 2015 and his head is gone. <laughs> I thought you meant like somebody walked up behind him and like literally beheaded him while he was. <laughs> yeah. That's a little different than I was expecting. So every time we talk about wild. Bernal, every time we talk about Bernal, I'm gonna bring up his death. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. Hold on, hold on. I freaked okay. your freaks. Well, okay, because John Waters did this thing and he like um basically talked about this director dying and i was like but this is about pasolini interesting hold on i've okay. created a conspiracy here now <laughs> i've got to look hey, up how he hit, Pas- he died pasolini was killed by like a uh, hitman Okay, so he must be, he must have brought up Murnau during that. Okay, that's why I got confused. Okay. But anyway, it's very interesting. You should look up, it's on Spotify. It's called Prayer to Pasolini. Only 17 minutes. All right. But anyway, yeah. I feel like we did this when we did Sunrise. It's like, let's learn about Murnau's death. (laughs) Wonder whatever happened to that fourteen-year-old <laughs> Filipino houseboy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, City Girl is excellent, even though it did yes. not get any <laughs> nominations. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to bring it back from that. 
Any further thoughts on City Girl? What's we went it? from drama, drama, drama to now the laugh riot of the 30s. Um, I do want to say, though, I started laughing when you said um, Father, <laughs> Father is not <laughs> House of Gucci, and you're watching the Golden Girls episode with the, the Italian workers. Uh, the... Oh, when they're doing the garage? Is that what's yeah, happening? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, it's like, for that. It's like, Ma, you say your Italian's rusty, but you know the word for spearhead? It was my brother's <laughs> nickname for a while. <laughs> All righty. Up next, we have. Is this like pronounced differently? I, I keep looking at the spelling, and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Um, I know it's called the Coconuts. Uh, the very first uh, film ever released to the public, anyway, uh, starring the Marx Brothers. They had one before this that was never released because oh, so I, I thought there was like some sort of sex tape situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, a Mark Spencer orgy. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> yes. The first Marx Brothers film, Coconuts. Um, it's not really plot heavy. Groucho Marx plays a guy who owns a hotel. Um, that doesn't seem very popular and he's trying to sell off some land and there's hijinks afoot and there's musical numbers um, that's about it um, the musical numbers is what took me out I didn't realize this was based on a musical and so I was just like I was just like all right the Marx Brothers let's see what hijinks are going to come up and I'm like all the hijinks, all the comedy, perfect. Laughed many, many times. Everything stops when the musical numbers start because um, it's not the Marx Brothers singing, thankfully, most of the time. I don't think they don't sing any of them, do they? Not that I can recall. I literally watched this yesterday. Yeah, yeah same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the most, most songs are just like they play the band part. Exactly. I was watching that and I was thinking, in a different movie, in a later movie, this is the, the music starts playing and then the characters go to a different room to talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny. I would say, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie other than it's got funny bits and the funny bits are worth watching it for. I would even say maybe just skip over the musical numbers because I can't remember a single one being entertaining. Okay. So, so you can skip over the musical numbers and you can skip over anything that's not having to do with the Marx Brothers in this. That's true. That's true too. Yeah. I, re- I mean, I like this movie because I really like the Marx Brothers, but watching it the second time in a whole year, I'm like, I don't care about anybody else who's not them or Margaret Dumont because she, I mean, she's included with them in this. Because yeah. the whole, there's always, okay, so for... I would say like the majority, the majority of their films, because I've seen all of them, the majority of the film, there's always a secondary love story between, you know, two people and then the Marx Brothers get involved in it. I never give a shit about those people. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're just there for the comedy and laugh bits of the Marx Brothers. This, again, like Zay said, you're laughing when you need to laugh. Groucho is hilarious. Harpo Chico, great. Zeppo, he's there. All right. He's, he's conscious. That That, really is the Ringo. Yes. (laughs) He's just there. We get rid of him later on in the group. Margaret Dumont, of course, the honorary brother. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's same thing. It that's it. You laugh when you need to laugh with them. The rest of it's just filler. And you can definitely tell too. This is based on a play. And in one particular scene, it's when um, Groucho and Margaret Dumont's character, Mrs. Potter, had their first interaction, and they literally walk into the frame as if they were walking from like the side of the stage to the center of the stage. And then he does his little like shtick with her. So, but it's nice. It's cute. Definitely not one of their best. Um, if you want one of their best, we'll talk about Duck Soup one day. I know we will. We're going to. Can I say as, the, as their debut film? Perfect. Yeah. I mean, te- technically debut. I guess whatever that first film was that Groucho just hated. I don't know. Never see the light of day because there's theories that either he burnt it or someone just threw it away one day. Hmm. Um, so I have to provide a little background into my viewing experience with this one. Um, anyway, I started on another website and (laughs) why'd you say another website? Like just had to go to Pornhub. I I started on, I started on OKRU, uh, our, our, our Russian friends. And, um, as Christian asked, I found out, you know, Christian asked, was it in English? And I found out later no, it's not in English. No, it's not. It's, it's in not in English. Spanish. It's in Spanish. What? And that's why um, I asked you because I had previewed it, but then you were like, well, I'll find it. It's on. A, I haven't gotten that far. No, yet. I said I didn't get that far into it. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, you didn't have, you didn't have a solution for me anyway. So um, <laughs> it's a span. It's, it's in Spanish. The okay oh. version. Yeah. Oh, wait, you, okay, you, the version you found was in Spanish. Yes, the version I found was in Spanish. <laughs> yes. Okay. I did not watch that version because obviously it didn't have <laughs> subtitles. So, and I knew it wasn't, I knew it was an English movie. So I found another one on YouTube. And the first thing I noticed is that it's an hour and 10 minutes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not, this is an hour and 30 minutes. And the reason it's an hour and 10 minutes is because it was sped up. So, <laughs> oh my I, God, where is this going? What a journey! <laughs> so, right, yeah, this is why I wanted to lead off with this. And I, I admit, I procrastinated because I thought Marx Brothers. Surely, I can find this. No, you know, I just want to say the public no. library is free for a reason. I the library have to, didn't have it. I have to go downtown, and I really, really, really hate driving in downtown Denver. So I, I get it. Unless I have to go to work. So, um. Yeah, I, I tried to avoid that. And so I changed the playback speed. I went down to like three fourths, and that was good. And like I could hear it, but it was zoomed in. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, at some points, their heads were cut off. At some point, it's just like an extreme close up. And so, what I tried doing was like, trying to time them perfectly so I could watch on OK Roo, but listen from YouTube. <laughs> MacGoober. <laughs> it didn't work. I could not, <laughs> I could not get it to time up correctly because obviously the playback speeds, you had to set them and it just, it wouldn't work. So, <laughs> so that, Why that's, did you ever find like a good copy? No, I watched the YouTube Why one. Why didn't you like contact either of us? Why this was this was pretty late last night, which I know y'all are both late, but 
I was I, a, like, I literally, I, 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 I when, oh my God. I was okay. at a drag show until 11. I sent the damn, I sent the the one we'll be talking about later to you both. You should have said something. I asked you if you had a good copy of it and you didn't have one. Okay, well, send me your address. <laughs> uh, maybe for Christmas, I'll get you the Blu-ray and you can finally see it. <laughs> but anyway, this is, I, this is some, this is some Zay shenanigans <laughs> in, in watching the wrong All Quiet That's what I thought. I was like, this is like Zay watching the remakes. Um, <laughs> but I knew it was going to make a great story. So that's part, yeah. I I was kind of enjoying it now, for that now, reason. See, but if you grew up in my household, you would have been fine with our heads being cut off, though. That's, <laughs> that's how we had to watch everything in my household between the full screen and widescreen transition of everything. Oh yeah. My family thought if you just like zoomed in, that fixes it. <laughs> <laughs> fixes. <laughs> they did not like the black lines above. <laughs> Well, and I also like I knew that Christian had it on DVD, and I saw that like last night I checked DPL, Denver Public Library, and their their downtown one did have it. So I I kind of assumed that Zay you would rent it because I knew you get a lot from the library. So um, you get for assuming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Made an ass out of you and me, or just me. And I this. have so I, <laughs> the only reason I own it is because I have like the silver screen Blu-ray because I got it on Amazon Prime sale years ago. Long story short, I could tell uh, what was going on, but could I, oh, I, I could tell. Yeah, I, I got what was going on, and the sound wasn't great, but I could. It, it was I could hear everything, and but I, I did have to like watch it from the viewpoint of like this is not a full. I can't criticize it for like these issues that I'm having. So, with that in mind, I need to like find wherever they watched it or you know whatnot and or go downtown and get the dvd or whatever and you know watch it as it was meant to be watched so next time uh, i ask you is it in english you're gonna check (laughs) i was on the road so i yeah um well the story stop driving (laughs) anyway (laughs) all that said I still had a decent viewing experience. So um, I, I, the plot itself, I didn't really like get a whole lot out of that. Like you said, Christian, especially with when the Marx brothers aren't involved, it wasn't that interesting. Uh, and the singing is like just weird, the, especially the last scene. Cause it ends on that musical number. And it's one where like the two end up together and they're just like staring at the camera, just, ah! singing their song and the acting is also really weird like that the couple near the front um or what did they even say it was just so almost unhuman like how they were interacting with each other and other people and i was like where are we what are we doing (laughs) because it wasn't even like i don't know if it was for laughs because it just wasn't funny either (laughs) yeah i agree and i also agree with like this the stage play aspects at time it did seem like it was like the you know the interstage right interstage left whatever and whatnot Mm -hmm. and i did but like you both said when it is trying to be funny it's funny um i especially like the tic-tac-toe shirt that was just like a a brief moment of like you know 1930s comedy hilariousness and um obviously they got like the viaduct thing which is you know pretty 
Um, it's supposed to be pretty iconic now, I guess, and whatnot. And so particularly Groucho and, and Harpo, I really liked Harpo. Um, Confession time. This is my first Marx Brothers movie. So I had no idea that this pantomime thing was Harpo's stick. I had no idea going in. And so when he goes into that, I, it just took me back. I'm like, this guy is hilarious. And so I really liked Harpo though. Groucho does really good work as well. Um, and, and even, you know, Chico, obviously from time to time okay. that, be, yeah, that being said, everybody else pretty forgettable. Uh, just wait till you get to the other ones. Cause like Margot Dumont becomes essential in them. Okay. Essential. But I did really like her in this. How dare this be your first one? How dare you? Are you surprised? No. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is my third one. So I've definitely seen Duck Soup. And I've seen How dare horse this horse. only be your third one? Oh, my God. I've seen Horse Studies. Uh, a Night at the Opera? Anybody? Oh, I have seen Night at the Opera. Okay, this is my fourth one. Then. A Night in Casablanca? Anybody? No, I haven't seen it. Nope. Sorry. Just goes through their entire filmography. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> horse feather? Oh, was it? I have seen horse feathers. Yeah. No, this is my first one. And obviously not, not the uh, Marx Brothers viewing experience I wanted. But it was still a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. So at least well, I can I know that. what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> there we go. But yeah. Um, obviously another one that didn't have any Oscar noms. And so any final thoughts on the coconuts, even though it looks like the coconuts, uh, any further thoughts on that? It was huge. Was it? Yeah. Uh, let's see. The movie turned out to be a big box office hit with a $1.8 million gross, making it one of the most successful early talking films. Interesting. Am I justified? Was I justified in thinking this one wouldn't be like that difficult to find? I mean, obviously, any like 1929 30 movie is going to be that way, but it was only difficult for you. I I guess. I guess. I literally Googled it and it was like the first link that I knew I could trust. Well, like I said, I maybe it was the same site or different, but I tried a different site that was supposed to have it and it was like bugging out. And so. Honestly, I thought if anything, the next move, the next movie probably would have been the hardest one to find. Same. This one was easy as hell. Um, are we ready to go ahead with that one? Yeah, that's the All coconuts. Right. Um, uh, from me being a Marx Brothers fan, out of the three of us here, definitely watch their other movies because they're they get most of them get better. But if you haven't seen it, I think it's a good view of how they started. Yeah. I think it's a good view of them from the neck down. So, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was good. That was a good Groucho ass joke. Okay. So, I've got our, ne- <laughs> I've got our next film here. Um, Which this I is, helped you pick. I, the, Christian did help me pick this one. This year was it was slim pickings. Um, trying to find one, and this is one that I thought about, um, but I hadn't heard great things about it, and I, I 
agree with the things I'd heard. So you set me up. <laughs> like Kristen showed me this film. <laughs> no, I mean it was one that I was I was gonna pick and like no, I wasn't sure, no, it, but like it, it's you saying like I haven't heard great things about it. I thought that this movie was gonna be rad. Okay. Oh, I, I I figured you had heard the I don't know. Um <laughs> I don't know, like this is it's hallelujah. Um, this is like uh, you know, one of the first, if not, you know, the first kind of Hollywood productions, musicals with an all black cast. Um, and so we've talked about other examples like Cabin in the Sky and Stormy Weather that both came out in 1943, both of which I think are far superior to this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good movies. This one was directed by King Vidor. Um, and it is the story of Zeke, who is um, a sharecropper who kind of lives with his family. Um, they, they pick cotton all day and they sing about it and they seem to really love it, which is E. Um, but yeah, they, they're kind of this family unit and they sing and they like enjoy each other's company and Zeke goes and they sell their crop and they get a hundred dollars for it. And he ends up going to like a bar slash gambling joint later. And, uh, gets acquainted with Chick, who is played by um, Nina Mae McKinney. Um, and so she kind of like swindles him and is working with this other guy to basically rob him of his $100. Um, and they end up getting into a big fight and Zeke's brother is killed as a result. And so this kind of leaves him on a new pathway. He seeks to become a preacher and does so. But along the way, he finds it difficult to fight off the temptations of chick who is kind of presented as this like devilish woman who represents everything bad. And, you know, he should stay with his family because they're the good and, and, and do their hard work and, and blah, blah, blah. And so, um, this movie is just littered with, with stereotypes, which is exactly that thing that I'd heard about it. Um, and, you know, I, I think obviously, a film from 1929 part of that is to be expected but to the level it is here um it, it's it, it just makes it uh, you know impo- it made it impossible for me to enjoy um because there's just so many things that come up you know first it's that he's this black man that um forces himself on a woman um and then it goes into the the depiction of chick and her being this kind of like amoral figure and, and whatnot and being like his downfall, kind of similar to the Blue Angel in that way, but I think even worse in this case. Um, and so that just made it really hard for me to enjoy and follow this, this character's journey. Um, obviously, I think the film you know deserves mention because of being such an early example of a film with an entirely Black cast. And I do think, you know, give credit to the performers. You know, it's it's hard because the scripts gives them so many rough things to work with. Um, but I thought, you know, Daniel L. Haynes did the best he could in the lead role. I, I thought, you know, he was definitely kind of a, a star-like figure, did well with what he could, and I enjoyed him in the movie, but obviously um, the characterization of him and others left a lot better to be desired. And so... Um, Fortunately, I, I, I would say that, you know, things I'd heard about this movie were unfortunately true, in my opinion, um, and definitely expected better, you know, from, from what we were getting into here. 
I texted Zay when I was watching this and I said like the Wikipedia page to this thing is extensive. It's there's a lot to it. But when I read that this had like the first primarily black cast and character who has a character development, I was like, oh shit, what, what am mm -hmm. I getting into here? Um, I was under the impression this is going to be more like a stormy weather situation where it's mostly just a review of like african-american singers and celebration and stuff but then when it opens like on a plantation and the family's picking cotton and they're happy and uh, what yeah i didn't look i did not look at what this movie was going to be about i didn't want to because i had heard mm -hmm. about it for so long and the last time i actually heard about it i think it was on tcm when they were doing like a celebration of like uh black voices and you know I wouldn't put this in like a positive light at all about it again with the stereotypes of it. And it's yet another one where I couldn't really tell you what I remember from it. Cause I did watch it a little bit. I watched it when we were watching the nominees, like the best picture nominees for this one. And I don't remember. And I don't really want to remember because I remember I did not like it. So that's it. I, and honestly, I thought it was going to be the hardest one to find and Warner, the Warner collection, they have it. So I guess to them, it's important to still have, but whatever. And King Vidor, I like him. We talked about the crowd. Yeah. Um, we did, yeah, when we did the the first Oscars, great film. Uh, other than that, I mean, this is meh at best. Yeah. Um, the only reason I had easy access to it was because I knew I did that like TCM, like at home, like, online class thing oh yeah oh, when, they did, when they did like the summer school yeah and they, yeah. Did, they had the musicals and so that's how i first heard about this movie and i wanted to see it because the teacher talked so highly about it while also talking about the racial stuff so um the racial aspect and blah 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 she kept hitting hard about that of like how back then blah 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 and i'm like ma'am i get it <laughs> anyway um and I wanted to watch it, but I could not find it anywhere. So I had um, the library uh, order in. So that's how I watched it the first time. And that's how I knew I had easy access this time. Um, also, when Brett uh, said he wanted to watch it, I was like, oh boy, I need to sit through this again. Um, and it was just as uncomfortable this time. Um, although I do, I'm, I was able to at least like just strip away the a narrative for myself since I already knew what that was going in and just appreciate the 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 black talents that we had going into this because there's not any like names that would, would go on mm -hmm. to be like at least for Cabin in the Woods not Cabin oh my god <laughs> Cabin, in, <laughs> Cabin in the Sky we had um Ethel Waters and Lena Horn they would go on to do other things. We knew what we know those names to this day. The Hallelujah doesn't really have that kind of cast. Um, nor does it, yeah, it just does it's not a lasting film, which you know, it's the racial part where it's unfortunate that none of these people got any other chance, but it's okay that at least we don't have to be like gone with the wind with this movie and be like, maybe we shouldn't love this movie. Um so it's very much it's the definition i think of a historical artifact because i just if you find like enjoyment of this film i don't know i would 
I would like to talk to a black person who finds enjoyment out of this film. I don't want to talk to a white person that finds enjoyment out of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as a white person, I don't think I can really speak too high too much too much of this film, other than it's just uncomfortable. Um, I would like to go back to what that Wikipedia thing was said, which is a bunch of bullshit. It is not the first film to give a black character a story arc because there's like black filmmakers before this were making silent films yeah so like just look up pioneers of african-american cinema great stuff i mean it's it's just a great experience to go through that whole thing i think because it's definitely the stuff they don't they don't talk about but especially if whoever wrote the wikipedia is the one white person who finds enjoyment because i I, if you read the wikipedia it's very apologetic kind of in a way that it's like i get it's racist but it's a good movie and i'm like i don't think that's true um it just feels like propaganda it very much feels like um racist hollywood trying to tell itself it's not racist being like here's an all-black cast oh maybe we should make a narrative where it's like maybe black people weren't that unhappy when they were like done mm-hmm. being slaves and so it just feels like that it, it it leaves a very sour taste in your mouth if you think about it too too long and it's a movie i really don't want to watch again please don't make me watch it again well it made me think of another movie that i haven't seen but Song of the South, which is obviously oh. infamous for like portraying, you know, black characters for like loving their lives as slaves. Um, and obviously they're, they're sharecroppers, but they're still like the, a, a very similar situation. Uh, I, I just, it seems like there's a lot of parallels there. Oh, you haven't seen Song of the South, but <laughs> we have the year it was released coming up. Oh, and, gosh. and Christian, <laughs> Christian has ideas. <laughs> No, yeah. um, but also looking through the Wikipedia article of this, I like the poster of this a lot. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Again, I was expecting a stormy weather type thing where it's just a bunch of singing. It's not. But just to think um, if we have any fans out there of opera, whatever, hi. Um, Porgy and Bess, which would come out a few years later, and just a whole like white person writing about the black stereotype type issues in that sense. And this being a catalyst for that, since this did come first. And it just, I don't know. It, it feels like almost they want to do good intentions, but at the same time, especially in 1929, they know they're not going to probably even reach the audience that they want of black people, especially black people in the South at this mm-hmm. time. You're not going to get that audience at all. You're just going to get a bunch of white people if your movie's even being shown, because more than likely, ain't going to be shown. And also, I guess, shout out to Wanda Tuchok, because another female writer um, mm-hmm. from this time period, she did the scenario, which same situation of story for this. Yeah. Um, I... Okay, so I was I I just searched for this. There was a letterbox review that I read of this from Ryan, who's a patron. There's no last name, so I don't know. Call him out. Shout out Ryan. Um, uh, but it says in 
Uh, in other ways, is like later in this review, in other ways, it's expanding stereotyped Black characters from minor roles to the entire cast. That's ex not exactly something to be proud of. And so I, to me, that kind of captures, obviously, like, you know, this is one of the characters does have, you know, an arc per se, but, you know, the, the type of, you know, stereotypes that we see from things like Gone in the Wind and, you know, movies like that, it's all present here. Um, and it's the entire cast. So... Yeah, not great. Um, this actually did receive a nomination for Best Director for King Vidor. Like Christian said, we talked about the crowd earlier that he directed. Much, much, much better film. Um, obviously, I don't think I'd, any of us would recommend this one. So any final thoughts on this before moving on to our final movie? All right. So our last film here, um, another one that I picked, it's a movie that's been remade probably what, 30, 40 times, Christian? Um, 69 and a half. 69 and a half, yeah. Uh, this is The Virginian. Um, it's based on a novel by Owen Wister. Um, one of those, I, I think it's, you know, one of the more foundational kind of novels about the Old West and whatnot. Um, this one does star Gary Cooper, I believe his first sound role as well, um, directed by Victor Fleming, who obviously did Gone with the Wind in Wizard of Oz. And so um, uh, Gary Cooper does play the main character who's just referred to as the Virginian, and he is like the foreman of this big ranch um, in, oh gosh, I can't remember where they are, uh, Wyoming, in Wyoming. And so... He's basically, you know, he runs this ranch. He has all these people that work with him. And part of his job is to kind of make sure that nobody is stealing the cattle. And so one of the other characters named Trampus, who is played by Walter Houston, is particularly well known for doing that. He is kind of the main bad guy in the film. Uh, but things become more complicated when the Virginian's best friend becomes involved with Trampus. Um, and, you know, looks like he is going to start stealing cattle as well, getting involved with that, which creates kind of a crisis for the Virginian himself. Um, and so that's kind of the main conflict of the film. It's kind of all, you know, surrounded by uh, the main character's relationship with the new school teacher in town, um, who's played by Mary Bryan. She comes to town. She's from like Pennsylvania. And so her values and her ideas um, are a lot different from the way they are in Wyoming. Um, you know, part of the conflict is that, you know, typically they catch you cattle wrestling, you're going to be hanged. And so that's kind of his ideal. And she is very much opposed to that and finds it pretty despicable. And so you've kind of got those different conflicts coming up in the film throughout those relationships. I will say I first watched this um, in film school, my very first semester, a time when I was just like learning so much for the first time. So anything that's, you know, a professor could explain well seemed pretty awesome to me. What it hasn't, was this? this was American sound film. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, American sound film. So, um, but yeah, as you know, 18, 19 year old, just kind of learning about film history, it had a probably a greater effect. I still like the film, uh, though it hasn't aged that great for me. I just kind of like, um, you know, in thinking about 
sound. And I, once again, I don't think there's a great copy of this with a sound these days or if there ever was, but I do really appreciate how the film kind of features a lot of silence, even while it is a sound film. And so you kind of get a feel for the setting. You can hear like the birds chirping and like all the, the, the breezes and stuff like that, even outside of the character's dialogue, which I thought was kind of effective in, in kind of placing us in that place. Um, and I do think that the conflict between the Virginian and Steve, his best friend, is kind of interesting um, and how that comes about and the decisions he's you know, making and having to make in those decisions. Obviously, the decisions he does make would not be those I would agree with um, and that I would hope most people in, in 2021 would not agree with. Um, and I wish that the role of, of the school teacher had been more heavily utilized in that front because I don't feel like she actually really has a strong effect on him in that front. I feel like he still holds all the same beliefs and characteristics he did before. Um, and, the you know, the performances here are pretty basic for the most part. I did like Walter Houston as Trampus. I thought he was, you know, the best member of the cast, but nobody's doing anything that excellent here. Um, but it's kind of like an early sound Western I can see it being kind of influential and, you know, pretty short film that I was able to flow with for the most part. So it's not doing anything special, but I still enjoyed it. Hold on. You, I don't think I saw this. I don't think I saw the right version. Mama Mia, here we go again. I watched, this was, I, I was struggling. This was the longest thing we've ever done. This was 311 hours and 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. And Did like, you watch the television show? I think I watched <laughs> the entire television show. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> the way I actually did the math. They're like 90 minute episodes and 75 minutes without work. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> no, Christian fucking last night was like, make sure we watch the right one <laughs> Friday or whatever. I was just like, okay, fuck <laughs> off, but also thank you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think I feel the same way about this that I did the big house that I'm like, I see the bones here of like. Of course, Westerns at this point were already a thing, but, you know, this being the sound Western, it's going to be different. Um, yeah, I just, like, it's a Western. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, in the YouTube suggested, like, the Ox, um, the Oxbow incident was down there. I was like, I want to watch that one. And so I was just like, yeah, it didn't hook me. Gary Cooper's hot. That's about that's about all I got from it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not. I mean, I'm just on the same boat as Brett, except the the history behind it. I I've never seen this before. So, eh, meh. It's funny because the Oxbow incident is kind of like the antithesis of this. Like, it kind of goes the other direction. So I don't mm -hmm. know. It's kind of funny. Um. So like, whenever Toby and I sit down to watch Brett's pick. Half there's a point halfway through where I'm always like, you can definitely tell this is a Brett movie. <laughs> I accept uh, that. That's true. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was. It's an early western. It's fine. I'm not like the biggest fan of westerns. 
Um, I think my preference are more of like the John Ford types, it's like stagecoach and later 40s, 50s searchers and all that stuff. So, but it's the proto, it's, I mean, obviously it's not the prototype because like Zay said, Westerns were a thing already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, Gary Cooper's fine in it. It is a, definitely a prototype for um, what you'll see later on with him in like High Noon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a man with a moral dilemma there as well. Um, seeing Richard Arland in this though was kind of cool because I'm only familiar with him from Wings. So you get to see him talk and Gary Cooper being in Wings also. It's like, oh, hey, reunion there. So, but other than that, I don't know. Um, I'd never see this again. And honestly, when you picked it, I thought it was going to be a singing cowboy because those are pretty big around this time. Um, I was also thinking, making that joke about the TV show. I can definitely see how this was turned into a TV show because this movie (laughs) definitely feels like, and knowing that these are fucking 75 minute long episodes too, I'm like, you could have just thrown that in the middle of there. I feel like that's exactly what this would be. I'm pretty sure my grandpa watches that TV show still because they still show it on like inspiration television or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he like every night he will watch that bonanza, Mm -hmm. uh, gun smoke and some, something else that, uh, what's her face from double indemnity, Barbara Stanwyck is one of those. Yeah. Yep. My grandma watches all those as well. So yeah. She posts about on Facebook. The third (laughs) longest, the third longest running Western behind Bonanza and Gunsmoke. Fascinating. Hey. 49 episodes. The the prototype thing is interesting because like like you said, Christian, like yes, there were things that came before, but I feel like you're watching it and you're like, it's it's a Western, you know, it, it's a typical, mm. it, it's what you expect from I think from a Western. And so which is probably why it's been remade so much. One of my like funniest facts about this is that. Uh, as far as I know, the most recent version came out in 2014, and the Virginian is played by Trace Adkins. Oh my no. god! <laughs> I'm sorry, that was <laughs> I was not expecting that name. Literally, I thought like the I, I honestly thought the last version of this was maybe the 40s, and it's only like what six years ago or something. Uh, yeah, not oh. even it's it's been remade oh, a shitload. Oh my, <laughs> my favorite thing about it is that the <laughs> the description says Trace Adkins from the Lincoln Lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I, I clicked on his Wikipedia. He's appeared in numerous films, including The Lincoln Lawyer, Mom's Night Out, and I can only imagine. <laughs> Trace Adkins, runner up to The Apprentice, Ce- Celebrity Apprentice Season 1 oh or something God. like that. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like it. I I don't know. I, I definitely it's one where like I, I definitely I totally get what you mean, Christian, with like, yeah, this is a Brett movie and I own that. Um, <laughs> but... The first version, the first version of this was directed by Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah, like 23 hmm. or something like that. Uh, 14 was it even before then. 14. Jeez. Yes. And then you had 1923, 29, 46, 2000 and 2014. Wow. Yeah, so I could see why anybody would would dislike this one. It was one that I was just able to flow with, but um, I didn't dislike yeah. it. I just I just felt very in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's just fair. Like, it's a movie. No strong opinion. Very fair. 
I don't get why Westerns, the main characters, don't have names. Like, his name is just the Virginian. What if his name was, like, Stan the Virginian or something? Honestly, there's more than one cowboy from Virginia. People move in West all the time. Oh. Apparently, there's another character in this movie named Nebraska. I didn't catch that, but it's on their IMDb page. (laughs) Um, But yeah, any further thoughts on the Virginian? Um, just found out there's something called the Sons of Confederate Veterans. <laughs> oh boy! And Trace Adkins is a member of that. Oh um, God! Probably unsurprising, but yeah, disturbing a, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. That honky tonk, but donkey donk. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, um. So. You know, very atypical for us. Our honorable and dishonorable mentions list has seven films. Um, I mentioned the two of you before it this. Has, it, it no, has it has seven. No, no, no. It has seven. Oh. It has seven. <laughs> it has five. No, okay, it I has, just saw it. <laughs> it, has, it has seven. <laughs> okay, I just saw it. It okay. has seven. It, yes, it has seven. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll go through these. I'm not sure how many of these are honorable. I had one in here. Um, first one here is Bulldog Drummond. Okay, I'm gonna. It's gonna pop up a lot in my honorables and you know awards. So let me read the plot. But a bored World War One veteran helps out a young woman whose uncle is being held hostage by embezzlers, and it stars Ronald Coleman as Bulldog Drummond. And it was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the supporting cast is great in this. Um, Claude Allister, who I'm, I feel like we've seen him in something else, but he's hilarious. Um, there's a, another lady who I'll say her name later um, with our personal stuff. But it's a good, it's a good mystery movie, and it's pretty short. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, next, we have King of Jazz. So I watched this today. This is the last thing I watched. And it's like the only one I watched for this podcast that wasn't like an assigned film. I love assigned. It's like a class. Um, but it's like, uh, it was like one of the, I was looking up movies to like maybe pad out a little and I didn't have time anyway. This is the one I found at the library. Um, and it's really fun. It's it's a sound film. It's in Technicolor. A lot of it's in Technicolor. Um, and it's like a review, R-E-V-U-E. Um, it's just like a bunch of people just performing. And it's just went way over budget. <clears throat> and it's just a lot of fun about Paul Whitemore, I think, the so-called king of jazz, even though it's a white guy. Um, Typical. Yeah, but it's so it's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching it. It's just, yeah, a lot of colors, a lot of sounds. Definitely recommend. Very I'm nice. Pre- I'm pretty sure it won something. It won best art direction. Mm. I believe it. I believe it. Also, um, I, I want to say this because didn't watch it. I hadn't even heard about it really, but it's called With Bird at the South Pole. And it is a documentary and is actually the only documentary for the third Oscars, what we're talking about here, to win Best Cinematography. The only documentary to do that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so the next one is I one that I put on here. It's called People on Sunday. I don't remember a single thing about this movie. I just wanted to put something on the list and that's the only one I had. So... <laughs> Don't, don't do that to yourself. 
all I know is I didn't like it. I gave it two and a half on Letterboxd. So um, next we have The 13th Chair. Uh, 13th Chair, a Todd Browning film starring an early Bela Lugosi before they would collaborate on Dracula two years later. Um, it's, it's fine. It's not, it's not too memorable. I don't remember a lot about it. All right. Uh, next one we have here is The Unholy Three. The Unholy Three, a remake of a Todd Browning film uh, starring Lon Chaney. He was also in the original. The original is better than the remake, though. Very cool. But it's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so our next <laughs> film <laughs> is The Great Depression itself. <laughs> Lines around the block for this one. Stop, just say stop. That. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and the next one, which was obviously added uh, during this <laughs> podcast, is the the lower half of the coconuts, <laughs> which we've already heard so much about. Jesus. Oh, jeez, so that will good. go down in gilded films lore. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Is someone is someone keeping up the Gilded Films wiki? <laughs> All right. Well, with those, um, after going through those, we are ready to go into our um, personal awards here. Uh, before we do, I need to make... So, I didn't realize we were doing our normal shtick. And... Okay, I I okay, I figured we might have been. I just did best writing because I looked all of the ones I would ever nominate, they were all adapted. So if anything, <laughs> I'm not nominating anything for original. I was actually gonna start off by asking. Um, I was gonna start with original because I was gonna I have one in original. Christian, how many do you have? One. One. I I we both have the big house, I'm sure. So yeah. um that's okay, out yeah. of the way. So let's just go into Hooray, the big house, you won. (laughs) Let's just go into you and Francis. I knew it. (laughs) Let's go into adapted. Uh, Christian, do you want to start us off here? Yes. So at number five, I have the love parade. And number four, City Girl. And number three, Bulldog Drummond. At number two, the coconuts. And my winner is all quiet on the Western Front. All right. Zay, do you want to take us away next? Yes, all of mine are shortened. Um, only have three for writing. I just wanted to keep everything neat and proper. Uh, three, The Coconuts. Two, City Girl. One, All Quiet on the Western Front. All right. So at five, I have The Love Parade. Four, The Virginian. Three, The Coconuts. Two, City Girl. And one, All Quiet on the Western Front. So pretty similar there, as one might expect. Let's go on to best supporting performance. Christian, what do you got here? Okay, so for the rest of them, because, you know, I'm me. I, they're all complete. All right, so you're going to get 10, 10, <laughs> 5, 10. All right. So at number 10, I have Margaret Dumont for The Coconuts. At number nine, George F. Marion for Anna Christie. At number eight, Lillian Tashman as Bull, and as Bull, in Bulldog <laughs> Drummond. She is the vil, the female villain of the film. And of oh, I wanted to point this out Bulldog Drummond. When you if you ever watch it, um, and you've seen High Anxiety, the Mel Brooks movie, it's weirdly enough similar plot structure. Okay, oh, okay. So she's the Cloris Leachman of the movie. 
All right. At number seven, David Torrance for City Girl. At number six, Claude Allister for Bulldog Drummond. He's the comic relief in the movie. And number five, Richard Arlen for The Virginian. Number four, Marie Dressler for Anna Christie. Number three, the, the male villain of Bulldog Drummond, Lawrence Grant. And number two, Wallace Beery for The Big House. And number one, Harpo and Chico Marx for The Coconuts. Because right. I can. <laughs> it's been well, done before. Well, you're not the only one. So I only have five for supporting. Uh, five. Mar Margaret Dumont for The Coconuts. Number four, David Torrance for City Girl. He played the father for people keeping track at home. Uh, three, I put Harpo Marx for The Coconuts. And tied for first, we have Lupino Lane and Lillian Roth for The Love Parade. All right. All right, Brett, who's your duo? <laughs> Uh, sorry to break the trends. At number 10, I have Edith York for City Girl. Number nine, Marlena Dietrich for The Blue Angel. Number eight, Slim Somerville for All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, number seven, Beryl Mercer for All Quiet on the Western Front, who plays his mom. Uh, she's in it very briefly, but I thought she was really effective. Uh, number six, I have Harpo Marx for The Coconuts. Number five, Lillian Roth for The Love Parade. Number four, Lupino Jane for The Love Parade. Uh, number three, David Torrance for City Girl. Number two, Marie Dressler for Anna Christie. And number one, I have Louis Wolheim for All Quiet on the Western Front, who plays Cat in that movie. For those people who oh, home, his name Wait. is Lupino Lane. I thought so. You. I was like, I typed it in wrong. I, I, I was going to say something. I was worried that I was wrong. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I also skipped on putting the professor in from All Quiet on the Western Front. My bad. But um, so he would go like number three for me, though. Yeah, he was good, too. Dang, I'm so mad I did that. Did we talk about how Ida Lupino is his niece? We did not. Because I guess he changed. I... Why is his name backwards? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this. Wow, that's fascinating. Hmm. Henry William George Lupino. Hmm. Interesting. It's funny because I thought of her because I was like, oh, Lupino Lane. Oh, kind of like, you know, uh, I had a Lupino, but no, that's really weird. You learn something new. All right. Let's move on to best lead performance. Christian, take us away here. All right. <clears throat> At number 10, I have Emil Jannings for The Blue Angel. At number nine, Charles Farrell for City Girl. At number eight, Gary Cooper for The Virginian. At number seven, Chester Morris for The Big House. Number six, Norma Shear eh, for The Divorcee. At number five, Ronald Coleman as the titular Bulldog Drummond. Number four, Greta Garbo as Anna Christie. Number three, Maurice Chevalier for The Love Parade. At number two, Groucho Marx for The Coconut. And my winner is Mary Duncan for City Girl. Uh, I only have five for lead. I have Charles Farrell for City Girl. Uh, I put Marlena Dietrich as lead for The Blue Angel. Uh, number three, Greta Garbo for Anna Christie. Number two, Groucho Marx for The Coconuts. And number one, Mary Duncan for City Girl. 
All right. Uh, and number 10, I have Daniel L. Haynes for Hallelujah. Number nine, I have Lou Ayers for All Quiet on the Western Front. Eight, Charles Farrell for City Girl. Seven, Jeanette McDonald for The Love Parade. Six, Ivan Mill Jannings for The Blue Angel. Five, Norma Shearer for The Divorcee. Four, Wallace Beery for The Big House. I went both of those leave here. Number three, Greta Garbo for Anna Christie. Number two, maybe a surprise, I'm with Chester Morris from The Big House. It kind of stuck with me. And my number one is, of course, Mary Duncan from City Girl by a very wide margin, I will say. Did you not say Maurice? No. Did you not say Groucho? He did not mention Groucho. Groucho was my number 10 uh, after I watched Haynes and Hallelujah. Like I said, poorly written, but I, he, with the script he was given, he did a great job. So <laughs> It's hard when you can't see Groucho's face. I mean, no, I, I'm just kidding. That's uh yeah uh let's take it on to best director okay at number five i have robert flory and joseph santley for the coconuts number four george hill for the big house number three murnau for city girl number two lubich for the love parade and my winner is lewis milestone for all quiet on the western front i only had three for director murnau for city girl Number two, John Murray Anderson for King of Jazz. And number one, Lewis Milestone for All Quiet on the Western Front. Number five, I have Ernst Lubitsch for The Love Parade. Number four, Victor Fleming for The Virginian. Number three, George Hill for The Big House. Number two, F.W. Murnau for City Girl. And number one, once again, of course, Lewis Milestone for All Quiet on the Western Front. All right, now on to the big one, Best Picture. Christian, take us away. Okay. So I only watched 12 movies, but there's 10 things. What got left out? <laughs> Wait. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so one movie got left out. Something like that. Anyway, number 10, The Blue Angel. Number nine, The Divorcee. Number eight, The Virginian. Number seven, Anna Christie. Six, Bulldog Drummond. And the top five are The Coconuts. Number four, City Girl. Number three, The Big House. Number two, The Love Parade. And the winner, which was the best picture of the year, All Quiet on the Western Front. Disraeli, sorry about you. <laughs> okay. Well, I did a top five because I did not have strong opinions any uh, of any of the films after that top five. Um, so number five, The Coconuts. Number four, The Blue Angel. Number three, Don't Crucify Me, All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, <laughs> the faces that y'all made simultaneously. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> number two, The King of Jazz. And number one, it really, really affected me, City Girl. If it wasn't going to win, I'm glad it was City Girl. So I was about to fair. say, if not, this is a Brokeback Mountain versus Crash situation. <laughs> we're like, the audience, the audience is getting ready to go to the after party, and then suddenly you say Crash, and we're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, legitimately, while I don't, this, this podcast was weird for me. Those top three are legit great movies for me. Mm -hmm. 
All the rest, I'm just like, well, there's this and there's that, blah, 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 blah. But those three, solid, great. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned in a previous episode where I had less than 10, if it has three stars or above, I, I let it on the list. So um, that's what I did here. And I have eight. So mm. at number eight, I have The Divorcee, number seven, Anna Christie, number six, The Coconuts, number five, Love Parade, number four, The Virginian, number three, The Big House, number two, City Girl, and number one, All Quiet on the Western Front. So like kind of similar to say. The, ter- the top two, I think, are great. I love them. The rest are good-ish. So, yeah. Interesting year. Uh, but for the most part, quite a bit of agreements on everything except for, um, at least winners-wise, supporting performance and, you know, the eventual winner for Best Picture. But um, I think it was pretty clear what some of the best of the best of this year was. And that the rest was kind of lagging in some ways, mm-hmm. I'd say. So, theory, I think City Girl probably would have done better at the Oscars had they had the original version. Because anyone voting for the Oscars that year probably saw the sound version. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's really interesting because I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting to think of what they thought about silent films at this time because they were just so enamored with the new sound mm-hmm. technology. And so um, obviously a lot of films struggled with that, at least from but our I also feel 2021 like, years. But... Knowing how people are nowadays with like, you know, they don't make movies like that anymore. <laughs> I feel like there were probably people who really did like silent films and were trying to hold on to them. That's but, a good point know, too. But the studios were definitely, the studio heads were like, nope, all sound, no silence. Right, right. Back then, we didn't need voices. We had (laughs) faces. Amazing. Awesome. Well, as always, thanks for tuning in to uh, another episode of the Guild of Films podcast here covering uh, technically two halves of a year. So each. So um Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and be sure to listen to the podcast wherever you find it. Thanks as always to Joshua Arnoldi for doing our theme music. And Zay, thank you for uh, coming on after your temporary ban. Um, We really enjoyed having you back. Any final thoughts or anything from you? My final thoughts. My final thoughts. (sighs) Silent movies are important. And this podcast surely showed that. Watch more silent movies. You'll get more out of film. I don't know. Very nice. Um, Get a flu shot. Yes. Get a flu shot. Get your booster if you can. Christian, any final thoughts from you? The fact that Zay said this podcast had shown that as in past tense, as in this is our series finale. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great, friends. I treasure Um, you, people. Oh, God. Fred's not going to know what that's from. Nope. Um, Is Zay Zay coming back soon? I think so. I think I'm on the season finale, aren't I? I believe so. Yeah, 1983. Um, 1983, we'll talk about terms of endearments and they will be back for that.
But uh-huh. next, I, it's like every episode, I'm going to hint as to what's next without saying it. But our next episode, we get to go on a cruise ship from hell. The African Queen? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that's Christian, my, that's my hint. I don't know. That, yep, there you go. Any other final thoughts from you? Um... No, that's it. Get your, get, right. your boost, get your booster, get your flu shot, get, get your coin, girl. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in and be sure to listen next time. Bye.